Hello and welcome to the Trips and Global on Wheels podcast hour. I'm your host, Ming Canaday. Trips and Global on Wheels is focused on sharing resources and insights into disability advocacy, fitness and health, and accessible travel. Our mission is to build a community of healthy, worldly, and informed advocates. Each week on our podcast, we interview someone with a disability or someone whose work advances the disability rights movement, both locally and internationally. I'm so excited and honored that you were willing to participate on the podcast show and surprised. Yes, thank you so much. I don't know why it's surprised, but... Um, so my, my first question out of curiosity is um, your name. I, that's such a unique name. How, how did you come up with that name? That's a good question. So my last name has always been the same, man, which is um, a, bit, a bit ironic considering I'm on testosterone now and all that. But my first name, actually, I chose when I was about 16. It has a section of my birth name, which is, I'm okay saying it actually, but um, which was Rachel. And so I took off the RA and then it was just Chell and added LA and then it's Chella. And I, I always felt like I wanted to keep a bit of that with me. And I think it has to do with my gender identity of identifying with both masculine and feminine qualities, or also just none and just being Chella. And I just didn't want to lose in my mind at that time, like that stereotypical femininity that that name encompassed with me. Yeah. Um, just so I, I know you've been asked this a million times, but just so our viewers and listeners are familiar with you, can you, because I, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with this sphere, and so I don't want to stumble and, and portray you in a way that you don't want to be portrayed. Can you just introduce yourself briefly to our listeners? Of course, of course. So my name is Chella Man, and I identify as deaf, transmasculine, genderqueer, Jewish, and Chinese. Okay, awesome. And then your, your last name, I understand your grandpa didn't really speak Chinese. And then also your father, your dad also didn't speak Chinese. And, well, my grandpa uh, actually does speak, um, he does speak Chinese. My dad doesn't that well. He used to, it was actually his first language. But then when he got a bit older, he just started speaking English and doesn't remember it now. But my grandpa and my grandma do speak Chinese. Okay, I see. Um, I, I guess what I'm asking is, how do you say your last name? Do you know how to say your last name in, in, in Chinese, in the Chinese sounds? Well, so before my grandpa uh, immigrated to America, it was pronounced Mon, but ever since he moved to America, it's now Man, and that's what we've been saying, and that's actually what my grandpa Futin says as well. Mm. So that's how I pronounce it right now. Okay, that's what I thought because I, I do speak Chinese and so I was looking it up and yeah. I was looking it up on Google and, and I, I was like, I think this is a Chinese last name. Yeah, yeah, and, you would be correct. Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't want to assume the pronunciation in case it was, it was, because um, I know your mom's Caucasian and so um, I know your mom is white, yeah? Yes. And so, and so I didn't want to assume the origins of those names, especially if, if you got your dad's last name or your mom's last name. Right, of course. An another common thing I'm going to have you just go a little bit into is, you know, I know you were assigned f as female at birth. 
and then you experience gender dysphoria during childhood. Can you share with us, you know, in however much detail you want to? Because um, I know you've, you've shared it lots of times on multiple different platforms. Just what that journey was like for you and how you were able to transition into the person you are today, just so confident, so smart, and setting such a good example. I, I think it was definitely a process, and it's something that I'm absolutely still practicing. But education has always been very valuable to me in terms of acknowledging who I am and learning the correct resources so that I can properly articulate myself. Because growing up, I think what really got me through was my art. You know, I didn't have the language or the terminology to articulate my identity to anyone. And art was just this way that I didn't need words. You know, I could just paint and use visuals and that was how I expressed myself. And I feel like that was how I released so many emotions. But as I grew older, you know, of course, it wasn't, you know, until high school really, honestly, I feel like I started doing more research into queer culture and really like analyzing how I felt about my deaf identity. Through social media, as I reached high school, I was able to contact and learn more about the communities that I identified with, which really weren't around me growing up in central Pennsylvania, super conservative, predominantly white, not really any queer culture that I found. Um, there were no deaf individuals around me, so no representation that way. But social media was just like this source, you know, where I didn't need to be around them physically, but I could, I could talk with them and I could watch them like succeed and grow. And so I think that that had a huge impact on me really understanding what was possible because representation truly matters. You know, it allows you to craft this story about what you want your future to be. But how are you supposed to craft that story if you don't have the beginning, you know? So that really kind of showed me the potential that I could have. I marvel at how you were able to embrace yourself and go through, you know, surgeries to reconstruct yourself and become the person that you saw yourself in on the inside, um, despite how others may may view you. And, and that came at such a young age, 15, 16, you know, 17, that's very young especially for such drastic changes, even 30, 40, 50 year olds are unwilling to come out and, and make uh, sometimes. And so, and so I just wonder what nuggets really made you be able to come out and do that. Right, well, thank you. And I, I think honestly, I've been privileged with social media and my, my whole generation is because I honestly wonder what it would have been like if I grew up with your generation or someone if I were 50 now, you know, because their, their mass media did not have any trans or disabled people of color on the front page. And now they do, mainly because, in my opinion, like, social media has allowed us all to be our own representation, not wait around anymore for, like, giant companies and publications to uplift us. Yeah, exactly. I, I think social media is powerful, you know, to be able to in such a in such an intimate settings too, especially the kind of videos you and um you and your girlfriend. Do you guys call each other partners or girlfriends or what what do you use? We just wish sometimes there was no language. But yeah, um we call I call her my girlfriend and she calls me 
I don't even know, like sometimes she'll say boyfriend, sometimes she'll play partner, sometimes I say partner. Sometimes I realize I actually prefer using the sign language um, sign for partner because I just feel like there's no gender and it's just like partner. And it typically means like queer partner, you know, not like a business partner. So mm -hmm. I kind of wish every time I said the word partner or girlfriend, I could just do this instead and people would understand. Yeah. So my point in in saying that you and Mary V, the videos that you share, the photos, you know, the the um, content that you put out to to the outside world, it's so raw and so intimate and so um, personal that I think it, it is very empowering. It does make people feel like they're in your living room or they're in your kitchen or they're wherever you are that's very, your bathroom you know very yeah. personal <laughs> spaces yeah. um Thank you. And, and so that is very empowering when, when you have that kind of content um flowing and you're looking at it on a day in and day out basis right thank you i'm really glad it has that effect that's what we just want it to be as honest and raw as possible yeah, exactly. I think in the mainstream media, there's not there's only certain angles that are portrayed. And then that's why you see, you know, even up to a, a few years ago, and I'm sure it's still happening where people are, you know, committing suicide because they feel that they cannot be the person they want to be. And yet society is pushing this other image on them. And right. so it, it is very oppressive. But because of uh, platforms like social media and and courageous people like you, you guys, you and Mary V, who are willing to be absolutely un unapologetically yourselves, you know, it enables other people to be themselves as well, to be like, oh, maybe I can, I can reveal more of myself than I'm doing right now. Thank you so much. I really hope that, that it does have those effects. And I mean, I can say the same about you, like you're out here being unapologetically yourself too. And like, you are my representation as an Asian disabled person, you know. Yeah, thank you. And I, I think um, I also want to point out that, you know, you had cochlear implant surgeries, right? And so yeah. I don't know how, how much, I'm curious, how much are you lip reading and how much are you hearing right now? Because you're really good at lip reading if that's that's 100% lip reading. It's it's very hard to give a number because um, it's definitely just like this mixture and balance of both. Okay, yeah, because especially when you're on my screen when we're doing these Zoom calls or live streams, like you, you can't tell. Um, I'm, I'm sure you get this a lot, but when you're talking, you... I, I can't tell that you can't, that's why I forget. Uh, my aunt is also deaf. And so she lip reads and, and, and signs a combination of both. I, I tried to talk slower for her, but I, I saw one of your videos that you said talking slower, much slower or louder doesn't really help. And so I'm trying to find a balance. Um, let, let me know. Um, I don't know sign language. And, uh, and so I, I'm sure I'm not perfect with communicating. Right, I, I think that it honestly depends on the person. For me, talking slower typically doesn't help, but you can always ask. Honestly, like learning the ASL alphabet can be like one of the easiest things because many people say they can pick it up an hour. Of course it depends, but um, I would recommend that if, you're, if, if you'd like. Also, I'm not sure if you're in no sign language, but 
that's been, I know like with close friends of mine, I've been working personally on being able to ask them to just learn the alphabet um, at the very least in case I miss something they say and they can just fingerspell it. It would mean that I wouldn't have to strain and do the work and labor of like trying to understand what they're saying and rather like they would as the able-bodied or non-disabled person like be able to just fingerspell it out. Yeah. That's good to know. So you let me know what speed helps you um, if I'm talking too fast or too slow um, and uh, I can adjust accordingly. Okay. So, so I want to, I'm curious about, I know you're taking testosterone and you have been for the last, at least for a year, uh, if not two or more. And so yeah. I don't know if you're still taking it. Um, if yes, what happens if you just for, you know, for those of us who are not familiar with it, what happens if you stop taking testosterone at this moment in your, you know, gender transformation? Mm -hmm. So with me, um, I'm still on testosterone and I take a shot every single week of a small dose. And if I were to stop, which I don't plan on doing, but some people do, there, were, there are certain changes that would be permanent and stay and there are certain changes that would go back. For example, the body hair that I now have, like around my face, that would continue to grow even if I stopped. My voice would stay the same even if I stopped. Um, but the way like your body distributes fat, that would go back to, um, you know, if you were just on estrogen or you weren't taking testosterone. Um, let's see what else which means you know my face might become more more like smooth and, and not as rigid um yeah there's a there's a there's so many lists out there but because i haven't personally gone through it i those are the top ones that i know off of my head yeah um and and so you say you don't plan to stop and um, are there any side effects to 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 continuing um, indefinitely? Like, it, do you think there will ever come a point in the future where you're able to stop if you wanted to? I I think I could always stop if I wanted to, but I I don't think that I plan on stopping for any reason. There's no side effects that personally I feel are are dangerous um, or anything to continuing. So I just plan on continuing until forever or until the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think through like the YouTube platform and the social media platforms overall, you've done an amazing job of, you know, advocacy work, not only through for LGBTQI people, but also, you know, people with disabilities and all the other different sorts of minority groups you represent. Um, what, what have you found about advocacy in terms of effectiveness? Have you found it to be very effective, you know, just throwing your, just being so genuine and candid and throwing your whole self into it in a way? And ha has there, do, do you regret it or do, do you think it's been mostly very positive so far? I think it's been mostly very positive. I feel very lucky. There have been times when it's been very hard to be as vulnerable as I am online. Um, but overall, I just feel like I've learned so much and I've been able to share so much. And 
I'm honestly baffled that people want to know because I never really knew there were so many people out there that had such similar experiences to me. So it's been very healing in a way to share and be vulnerable online and realize like, oh, this is actually common. Like, that's so cool. And um, I, I have no regrets, absolutely no, no regrets at all. Yeah. In terms of moving forward, you know, you've done such amazing advocacy work. Moving forward, how do you see that changing or do you just see it enlarging into even greater platforms like what you were just saying, Titans, the, the TV show, and just being on more of those kinds of platforms as well? <clears throat> I see so many people like just rising up and voicing their life stories you know and I also see us being us just creating and being showcased more in mainstream media like such as Lauren Ridloff on The Walking Dead or Special which was on Netflix and um you know I just feel like now more than ever people are ready to hear our stories the world is in a place where they're realizing a lot of stories have been neglected and erased from history yeah, I think it is interesting. I think I think a lot of this country is ready and have been for a while for for your story and you know people with other different backgrounds. So so we're gonna jump on to a, a different topic, something we we've alluded to a couple of times now is the show Titans. Um and so so how how has it been? What what goes on uh behind the scenes of making Titans that that you know, audiences may not may not know um, the, the exciting aspects or not so exciting aspects. Um, there was a lot. You know, it was really interesting to work on such a big set because I also had never acted before, so it was my first acting job. And I think some things that the audience might not know is just how I navigated different scenes as a deaf person without my cochlear implants. Because this was the weird thing, not weird, but unique. My character, Jericho, so he uses sign language, but he's not deaf. He's just mute because when he was young, an assassin came to his house and severed his neck. So, you know, it cut his vocal cords so he can't speak. So he uses sign language to communicate. So that meant that I couldn't wear my cochlear implants in most scenes because he's not deaf, but he's just mute. So in a lot of scenes, Although Jericho isn't deaf, I am very deaf and I cannot hear a thing. And it's been interesting to navigate those scenes where of course there's verbal dialogue being spoken and I have to like get my cues different ways because I can't hear sometimes when someone will say something, especially if I'm not looking directly at them. For example, one of the first scenes Jericho is in, he makes this lasagna for his mom and he's taking it out of the oven and putting it on top of the oven. And he's supposed to react when he hears his mom turn the key to open the door. And so to do that, one of the producers had to crouch down off screen. And then when the key was turned, they would tap my leg. And so on camera, that's when I reacted. Like, okay, I felt my leg tap. My mom came home and then I'd smile. And then I'm supposed to hear her footsteps walking into the apartment. And so that's the second tap. And when I know that, I know to turn and look at her. And it's just different cues like that the audience has no idea. 
like another one was when I had to mow the lawn and then my, my dad comes out over here and says, hey, but of course I can't hear him and I'm not looking at him. So there's a producer, an AD, who's like off screen down at the other house and goes like this when, when that actor says, hey, and so I have to react. And it's just, it's just been so interesting and such a great learning experience, not only for me, but many members of the production team have said they've never worked with anyone disabled in like their 40 plus years of being in the TV industry. So it was just educational all around. Yeah, I, I bet, I bet. Um, and in terms of the show, is, is it being put, put on pause because of the coronavirus, right? Yes, I, I think the, t the whole film industry has been put on pause for now. Yeah, the whole 2020 has been a big pause. Um, I just wanted to touch on something else, even though I know you've been very open. I, I, I have to confess, I didn't watch all 98 of your YouTube videos. I oh my gosh. I, I did. That's I did okay. watch quite a few. So what what I wanted to know was, I know your mom is Caucasian, and so it's to be expected, I think, from a Western society and a Western standpoint that perhaps her side of the family and even her, and she was more open and more understanding of your transition. And, and that maybe this is me being presumptive and just assuming. And then your Asian side, your dad's side, it perhaps is a bit more conservative and traditional. And so what was that like, um, you know, your transition, your gender transition from, from drastically different cultures? So they are very different cultures, but honestly, I was so privileged that both sides of my family were supportive. And my grandparents included, on my dad's side even, who are from Hong Kong. Um, they have also been supportive. So I'd say that, I, I always say this, I always say that I won the family lottery and that I've been so lucky that they've been understanding. Their main worry was the medical side and they were you know curious about what would the side effects of top surgery and testosterone be on me. But other than that, they understood that this is who I am. And in all honesty, they weren't that surprised um, because as a, as a young kid, I also showed just like, I was very stubborn about who I was from a very young age, I've always known. So they had almost in a way anticipated when I had that conversation with them. I see. Um, okay, so just a question in closing, how do you think, cause even, even as someone who does advocacy work like myself, um, I, I still stumble and don't know how to communicate with different groups of people um, who may, may be different from, from the perspective that I grew up from or the vantage point. What, what do you say to people who, who may be afraid of interacting with people that are different from them in terms of background or in terms of experiences and don't want to stumble and are afraid of offending or stumbling or saying words that, that may be offensive but they don't mean to, but it's the language that they learned and it's what they have to use mm -hmm. what do you say to that i would say rather than making assumptions just ask everyone's answer is going to be different and the best way to move forward is just know that person's preferences you know and um also just be open if you want it's up to you you could say hey i'm i just want you to know moving into this conversation i'm not 
I don't know all the terminology and please let me know if I say something wrong. Um, but um, I, I, I just really hope to, you know, support you and let me know if there's any way I can do that. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great, great point. I think a lot of people, you know, um, don't, don't um, necessarily have close friends that are tra transgender or trans queer or gender queer or whatever the, you know, different kinds of um, terminology they would like to use um, yeah. in their lives. And so they may not necessarily have those personal experience, but so it's more distant, either friend of a friend or friend of a friend of a friend. And so I think to always educate yourselves and really being um, like what you were saying, just asking um, because pe people um, will be more, under more understanding than, than you think, right? Um, even if you stumble um, in, 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 in the way that you phrase things. Absolutely. That, that is innocently intended, of course. Yeah. Um, Chala, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you for coming on the podcast show and um, giving us such great responses. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that we... I only know what it's like in America And shutting doors, I don't think that's right Thanks for listening to another Trips and Global on Wheels podcast hour. Look for us on Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook where I post pictures of my travels, share videos of my fitness journey, and keep you updated on the latest wheelchair accessory must-haves. Tell others about our program. The more we can raise awareness about these issues, the stronger we can get as a community. At Trips and Global on Wheels, we aim to build a community of healthy, worldly and informed individuals with disabilities and disability advocates that means we want to hear from you our listeners send us an email at tgow podcast at gmail.com let us know about your favorite destinations for accessible travel how do you stay fit to avoid chronic injuries what language do you prefer to describe your identity as someone with a disability we want to provide a platform for people to share and learn from each other. So send us your stories. If you have suggestions for future guests that you would like to hear on our podcast series, please leave them in the Contact Us section of our website or post them on our Facebook page. Thanks again for listening. Bye-bye. And this is